All right, good stuff. Hey, everybody, Harry here. Welcome to another episode of The Unstarving Artist. So glad that you're here and tuning in. If you are just joining us for the first time, make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube if you're not already doing that. We live stream this on YouTube as well as on other places on social media. We also turn this into a podcast. So if you're more of a podcast listener, you can follow us on any podcast app like Apple, Spotify, you name it. So let's just jump into the docket, what we want to talk about today. What's on my mind right now is the idea of luck. A lot of times people talk about luck. They think about, oh, this person just got lucky. They were in the right place at the right time. It's a common story and refrain we hear. And so I wanted to talk about the concept of luck, whether there's certain things that we can do to increase our luck and have more serendipity in our life. So there's a fantastic quote by one of the founding fathers in the US, Thomas Jefferson. He said, I'm a great believer in luck and I find the harder I work, the more I have of it. And you see this idea play out over and over again through different self-help advisors, thinkers. And the coolest mental model for this that I've seen is this idea of luck surface area. If you've never heard of the idea of luck surface area, it's a really cool mental model for what we're talking about here. And the idea is that just like Thomas Jefferson said, the harder that you work, you can actually increase your luck. You can increase your opportunity that comes into your life if you're working in the right direction in the right way. But it's not just about working. It's also about telling other people about your work, communicating, building community around your work so that you can have those connections and those opportunities and those interactions that you aren't predicting, you're not planning for come into your life. So if you've never seen this, like there's different charts, which imagine like almost like a an XY chart. And on the Y axis you have doing and on the X axis you have telling. And so if you want to increase your luck surface area, you want to make sure you're doing things that you're passionate about, doing things that you care about, getting good at your craft, but also building community around it, telling people about it fostering connections. And in my experience, not always the case, but a lot of times with artists, they focus really almost exclusively on that doing element of things. They just hug that y-axis, they stay as close as possible to that, and then just go up, up, do, make more paintings, make more paintings. So I'll have artists come to me who have been painting for 30 years, and they've got hundreds and hundreds of canvases piling up in their apartment, piling up in their house, piling up in storage. And they've just been doing for a doing for a whole lifetime, but they haven't really been telling people about it, talking about it, building community around what they're doing. And so they haven't created space for luck, serendipity, opportunity to come into their life. So if you can visualize this, that's what we're talking about there. And the, the interesting thing about it is it's not 100% predictable. So when you start doing this, you start talking about what you're doing, building community around what you're doing. You can't anticipate, you can't predict on an individual basis that, oh, this one person's going to come into my life or this one thing's going to happen to me. But you're going to have this sort of statistical process where more opportunity, more interesting things are coming in that you can take advantage of. All right. So I wanted to give you an example that's from my own life. And it's not necessarily like a, a business example or a professional example per se, but I think it's still really fun and illustrative and it's relevant to what's going on. I'm in a season of life where I've been thinking a lot about 
building community locally in my area, joining community, and not only joining other existing communities, but trying to create community myself and just be proactive, take things into my own hands and create the community that I want to have in my area. And so with that, I've been hosting little get-togethers. You can call them cocktail parties, call them whatever you want, but it's just social gatherings without that big of an occasion, just wanting to get people together, get people together that I have known from years ago, high school days, college days, from earlier in my work career, friends that I've made then, and newer friends that I've been making now. And so I've been hosting these little get-togethers, and I'm finding it's just a great way to make new friends at my season and age of life. And because I've been doing this, it's created more serendipity, more opportunities, and a cascade of community that I wouldn't have been able to get access to or participate in otherwise. So let me give you an example. Because I've been hosting these community get-togethers, it's motivated me to get more involved in different community groups beyond the get-togethers that I'm doing. So I've been going to a local church and I went to a retreat that they put on recently, met a bunch of friends through that. And because of that, I'll learned about this awesome festival that was happening here in Atlanta last weekend called Porch Fest. Porch Fest was a free festival where they had, gosh, probably 100 bands playing all afternoon, all day Saturday. And because I'd been hosting the events and I went to this retreat, I learned about Porch Fest. I went to Porch Fest. I met some new people there that I hadn't met before, invited them to my next get together that I had a couple days after Porch Fest connected with those folks. Now I'm following up with them. From there, I met somebody who moved into my building recently who runs some really cool restaurants in the area. One of them I'm a really big fan of personally. And so because I had to get together when I was talking to him in the elevator, I had an opportunity to say, hey, you should come to my next get together. Would be great to have you. He was unable to attend, but we still exchanged phone numbers and he wants to follow up and come to the next one so on and so forth. What's the point here? The point is that we can create conditions in our life where it's easier to invite new and interesting people in case you're an artist, in other words, prospective collectors into your life. But a lot of us don't realize that this is possible. It's just not something that we think much about or realize or take proactive steps to facilitate in our life. We wait for things to happen to us rather than taking steps to create the community that we want to have around us. So that's just one example. It's not the only way to do this and not saying drop everything you're doing and go out and do this exact thing. But if you're finding like that you aren't having as much success in your art practice as you'd like right now, and you feel like there's a lot of opportunity in your local area, there's a lot of interesting people, prospective collectors in your area, Yeah, I would consider thinking about are there ways that you can be more proactive to create community, to draw people to you in a way that's non-salesy, that's not where you don't directly know what's going to come out of it. You don't, you can't predict, you can't control every facet of it. But if you let yourself be open to it, you can have interesting and new connections and new opportunities come into your life. Okay. So that is my first little, uh, my first point on the docket today. Another point on the docket that I wanted to talk about is a quote that came, I came across on Twitter from a guy named Naval Ravikant. If you don't know who Naval Ravikant is, he is a serial entrepreneur, but he's 
just a really interesting thinker that we have today. He's almost like a business philosopher. He speaks about life. He speaks about success. He speaks about fulfillment and other topics like that. So there's one, one quote I came across that he had this week on Twitter. And the quote was, we prefer to see quote unquote winners as naturally talented rather than quote unquote hardworking. Because if it were reversed, what would that imply about us? And I really like that quote because it made me think about my own life, my own experience maturing and growing. And it made me think back to when I was younger, seeing people having success, seeing people do well in their chosen field. Yeah, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you feel you're not where you want to be in life, it's easy as someone who's been there in the past, it's easy to look at other people having success and think it's because of their natural talent or because somebody, they had opportunities or connections that you don't have available to you, like someone just made it happen for them. There's ways that we can be very cynical in this world and downplay the role of the, that person's agency and effort in getting that outcome that they're looking for. And so if we are feeling that way, if we're feeling like we don't have a lot of power, we don't have a lot of agency, it can be very comforting to look at other people's success stories and blame it on things that are outside of our own control, right? If it's because they're naturally talented, it's because their parents set things up for them, if it's because whatever factor, insert whatever factor you want to attribute their success to, then it lets ourselves off the hook for the fact that we aren't where we want to be in our own path, in our own journey. And so this is what I would call a cognitive blind spot. There are a lot of these like comforting falsehoods that we let ourselves believe because when we believe them, it makes the pain and discomfort of our current situation less painful, less uncomfortable. Um, and if we were to actually embrace and face that, it would bring more pain short term into our life. And so we want to avoid that. So think about that for a second. Are there cognitive blind spots that you have right now where, you know, when I bring up one of these things that I've been talking about, whether it's the idea of increasing your luck surface area and creating community around what you're doing and the art that you're building and the passion that you're pursuing, or if this idea that people that have success, it's due to them working hard. If that, if you feel like you're having resistance to that idea right now and you're frustrated about that, Try to take a step back from that emotion and think about why you're responding in that sort of physical negative way and think about perhaps are there ways that you can relate to these ideas that would allow you to look at them more with an unbiased perspective and see perhaps if there's something that's helpful that you can extract from them and apply and benefit from in your own situation. Another really powerful quote I came across this week was this one here. The biggest generator of long-term results is learning to do things when you don't feel like doing them. If you let excuses or emotion drive behavior, you're cheating your future self. So put aside the excuses and start doing what you need to do. This is also from Twitter. It's from a blog called Farnham Street, and they write a lot about thinking about how to take steps predictably to accomplish your goals and accomplish what you're looking for. So I think this is such a powerful quote and it comes into this again. It's, it comes into what I've been talking about. If you want long-term results, if you want to make positive changes in your situation, 
you have to learn to do things when you don't feel like doing them. If we prioritize the short term, we will fall into these cognitive blind spots, these comforting falsehoods where we let excuses or emotions drive our behavior. And then it feels good in the short term, but in the long term, we're really cheating ourselves. We're cheating our future self. So look out for that. Look out for places where perhaps you're embracing these cognitive blind spots, areas that feel comfortable where you don't really want to lift up that rock and see what's under there, that, that source of pain, that source of discomfort, and see if you can take a step back, set aside the emotion and see, all right, yes, I know this is going to be uncomfortable. This is going to be painful. This isn't something that I like doing, but maybe I can embrace it. Maybe I can take action in this area. Maybe I can move past that and do what I know I need to do. And I found in my life when I've done that, when I've engaged in that way, a lot of times I realize, oh, this isn't as bad as I thought. And I actually learned to and enjoy that thing, or I can find the artistry, I can find the creativity in that area that I know I need to do. But at first I wasn't interested or prepared to do that. So that is just so powerful. It's like wrapping this together, wrapping this all together. If you feel like you're the type of artist who just focuses on that doing side of things, that doing Y axis, and the idea of telling people about what you're doing or building community around what you're doing, it just seems really uncomfortable. It seems something that your mind is making excuses about. Maybe your mind is saying that, oh, only not real artists do that. Like real artists just focus on the work. Real artists just focus on the craft. If you tell yourself those stories, try to take a step back from those beliefs rather than just immediately accept them as true and think, is this perhaps my mind uh, giving me short-term comfort so that I don't evolve, don't grow, don't change, don't become a new version of myself that can have more success in my art. Think about that. And and with that, another idea I want to talk about briefly is this idea of staying up versus a startup. So everybody has heard about by now the term startup referring to a new business, creating a new project, a new organization, a new pursuit, a new art practice, perhaps. And it's really important, of course, to start something if you want to take action, if you want to finally make ch a change you want to see in your life. But I had never seen someone describe this in contrast to what they call a stay up. And a stay up would meaning basically not just starting, but actually seeing something through, keeping on, keeping going with your project. And so this idea of the stay up came from CEO of a company called Basecamp on Twitter which puts out a lot of good thought on marketing, organization theory, hiring, building bootstrapped companies where you don't raise outside capital. And so he talked about this idea of a stay up, meaning that if you are building a business, you're building your art practice, whatever you want to call it, starting up is of course challenging, but actually it's also challenging to keep going. Day 100, day 1,000, day 10,000 is a challenge even if you've gotten things off the ground and you keep going. And so just wanted to, to echo that as well. If you feel like you've been at this journey for a while, maybe you've been working on your art career, your art practice for years, you feel like now, just recognize that that's part of it. It's like developing that endurance, developing that resiliency, developing the discipline to keep going. And whether seasons where you may feel like less motivated, less energetic, less passionate about what you're doing, if you can figure out techniques, strategies to renew your interest, renew your focus, renew your enthusiasm, and keep going 
through those patches and those spells, you'll find that you can have so much more impact and longevity to what you're doing. So just keep that in mind. Like if you feel like you've been at this for a while, a lot of times it's just if you just go a little bit further along, you keep going, you keep making a little bit more progress and you do so in a way where you relate to what you're doing in a slightly different way. Maybe you look at it at a different angle. You can unlock another phase to your art practice, another season to your career. So the last idea I want to leave you with here is the contrast between asking for per- for permission versus begging for forgiveness. Asking for permission versus begging for forgiveness. Maybe you've heard this contrast before, maybe you haven't. But the idea is that I was seeing this a lot in our academy community this week. Or I, I saw one episode of it. And the idea is that sometimes people will go to some authority figure whether it's me or somebody else, and come and ask for permission to do something rather than just doing it. And I don't think that's a natural instinct. I think that's an instinct that's cultivated. I think it's something that's implanted in us by culture, by the education system. We're trained to sit and wait for approval or permission before we take action. And even if that's deeply ingrained in you, unfortunately, it's something that you really want to, not unfortunately, but for better or for worse, it's something you need to unwind in yourself if you want to have more success as an autonomous individual, as somebody who's running their own art practice, making their own art sales, growing their own art business. Very rarely, if you just take action and do what you think you need to do and then worry about getting forgiveness later if need be, very rarely does that blow up in your face. More often than not, when you think you might need to get permission or you might need to beg for forgiveness, you actually take action. You realize it's not an issue at all. No one cares. So you want to get to a place where you can build that instinct where you don't feel like you have to ask for permission. You're not waiting for someone else's approval. Just give yourself approval. And that doesn't mean that you should be rude or brash or harass people or be annoying or anything like that. But just look out for, think about right now, are there any areas in your life where you feel like you're sitting on your hands and you're waiting for somebody to tell you that you can move forward? You're waiting for permission. You're waiting for to hear back. And if there are any areas like that in your life, take a moment today to instead practice this idea of recognizing that if need be, you can beg for forgiveness. (laughs) If need be, if you do something wrong, you can, you can apologize, you can make amends, you can move forward. And when you do that, when you recognize that, then take some action, right? So if you're waiting to hear back from somebody and they haven't gotten back to you, what can you do? You can just, you can send them a nice, polite follow-up message, right? Take things in your own hands and worst case scenarios, you can apologize if you are too persistent. If there's some other area though, if you're waiting to start working on a new art piece or experiment with a new medium or finally learn to market or sell your artwork. You're waiting to create an Instagram profile until you have a a portfolio of work you feel like is big enough, right? There's all these excuses and rationalizations we come up with in our mind about why we can't do something. Instead, just take action. Just do what you want to do. Go ahead and do it and start building that habit because the longer you wait to build that habit, the harder it is to cultivate it, the harder it is to build it. Now, whether you're 15 right now or 50 
or 85. You can still build this habit. You can still unwind that, but you need to start building awareness, looking for awareness of where you're just like, you're waiting for the world to happen to you rather than going out there and shaping the world, taking action, nudging things, pushing things, creating the conditions that you want that will bring the sort of opportunities and outcomes that you're looking for into your life. Okay. So forget about asking for permission. There's a lot, there's much fewer areas where you really need to do that than you might think. And recognize that if you take action, you make a mistake. It's not the end of the world. Failure is not the end of the world. You can learn from it. You get feedback, you move on, and you can always quote unquote beg for forgiveness if need be. Okay. So thanks so much for joining us for another episode of The Unstarving Artist. It's great just to catch up, share some things that have been on my mind with you. Again, you can subscribe this on YouTube. The more people that like and subscribe this, the more we can get this message out there on YouTube. We can help more artists and build a community of like-minded individuals that are all moving towards being successful artists, being unstarving artists. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast app. And as well, I want to let you know that we have recently finished a 158-page book called The Unstarving Artist Book that details our methods step-by-step on how to sell more art that you can get your hands on today. It explains how we gain art fans every single day and we convert them into $1,000 plus high-paying collectors, all using a simple low-tech process and Instagram. So if that interests you, you can get that book very affordably right now. It's only $3 right now. I'm not sure how long that will last. And it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you want that, if you want to learn more about our approach, tap the link below this video or this podcast episode. It should be in the notes somewhere around next to this content. So tap the link there and you can get a copy of that book. And I'd love to hear your feedback. So let me know in the comments below if you have any feedback on this video, if you have any feedback on the book, if you have any questions about this, and I will see you soon. All right, take care.